0: Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Sermons Podcast. My name's Stuart, I'm the Minister at St Ninian's in Stonehouse, which is in Scotland. We are a local ecumenical partnership between the Church of Scotland and the United Reformed Church and that means we reflect both traditions in our work and worship. So let's listen to our reading for this week and then get on to the sermon.
1: The reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 7 verses 10 to 14. The sign of Emmanuel. The Lord sent another message to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God to give you a sign. It can be from deep in the world of the dead or from high up in heaven. Ahaz answered, I will not ask for a sign. I refuse to put the Lord in to the sorry, I, put, I refuse to put the Lord to the test." To that Isaiah replied, Listen now, descendant of King David, it's bad enough for you to wear out the patience of men. Must you wear out God's patience too? Well then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A young young woman who is pregnant will have a son and will name him Emmanuel. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25. The birth of Jesus Christ. This was how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they were married, she found out that she was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a man who always did what was right, but he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he made plans to break the engagement privately. While he was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for it is by the Holy Spirit that she has conceived. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this happened in order to make what the Lord had said through the prophet come true. A virgin will become pregnant and have a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So when Joseph woke up, he married Mary, as the angel of the Lord had told him to do. But he had, no, he had no sexual relations with her before she gave birth to her son. And Joseph named him Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks, Anne. It's inconvenient when God shows up. At least I'm pretty sure that's what Joseph thought. But then it's always been inconvenient. And more than that, a little, well, unexpected. Did you notice that Anne started reading at verse 18 of Matthew? The first 17 verses of Matthew's gospel, therefore the first 17 verses of the New Testament, are a family tree, a genealogy of Joseph's ancestors stretching all the way back to Abraham. And in many ways, that's entirely unremarkable. Because we do the same thing today, don't we? Ancestry.com is big business. We love programs like Who Do You Think You Are? And you can even buy yourself a DNA kit. Should get one of them for your Christmas. Find out where your genes come from. Some of you still talk about people by their maiden name, or who their parents were, or who they're married to. And you do that because it places people in a context Oh aye, that's Jimmy's lassie And that context opens up a rich social history Of whose people they are And how we might be connected to them And who we might know that's related to them And all that kind of stuff And it turns out that Joseph's people Joseph's people are What's the word? Colourful Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah Judah is the father of Perez who you'll all have heard of and Zerah by Tamar so when you get a family tree that says by somebody that usually means not by his wife okay because you have to clarify Tamar was the wife of Judah's oldest son Err and Er was killed because of his wickedness and Tamar was supposed to be given to Judah's youngest son as his wife but that didn't happen so she was sent away and she thought because Judah thought that she was cursed so Tamar went and she lived in another village and one day Judah was going to visit that village and he met her but he didn't know it was her because she was dressed as a prostitute and she had a veil over her face And he went with her as a prostitute. And she became pregnant. And then he did it again. And she became pregnant again. Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Who had his sons. Colourful. And that's before we even get to King David. Who gets a bi and the genealogy as well King David's son Solomon was the result of an affair that he had with the wife of Uriah more color but actually in many ways it's really ordinary these things happen all the time we all have colorful bits in our family trees skeletons we call them What's remarkable about Matthew's telling of Joseph's family tree is that there's very little in it to be proud of. Sure, there's a long list of famous names, but he's left in all the stuff that most people would have airbrushed out. All the stuff that we clean up when we present our own stories to other people. Matthew leaves the whole lot in. It's there for the world to see. Fourteen generations before the exile in Babylon and fourteen after. The bit in the time of the exile wasn't really counted because people couldn't be sure who the father of children were because it might have been a soldier or a slave master and so they don't count the bit in the middle. The line of kings had been broken. David's line had ended at the exile. Herod wasn't even of royal blood. He was just a soldier who had pleased the Romans and had been given the crown. So as we journey through Advent, we've looked quite a lot at Matthew's gospel. And and each time we've done that, we've asked the question, who is Jesus? Usually through the eyes of John the Baptist. This lineage means that Jesus could be the Messiah. Because he comes from the line of David, the line of kings. But his family tree is a pretty stark reminder that God can use all kinds of people and all kinds of relationships... That fall outside what some of us might think is straightforward or even desirable to do some pretty amazing things. But it's not just about the family tree, it's about how many generations. There are 28 generations, two groups of 14 or four groups of seven. We've talked about the number seven before, how important it is. It's the number of days that God took to create the world. Joseph is the seventh generation in the fourth group. We've explored before that Jesus rose on the first day, the eighth day. And here he is, the eighth generation. And that's before we even get to the bit where it says, now this is how the birth of the Messiah took place. The word we use for birth in that sentence is, is actually the word Genesis. This is how the genesis of Jesus the Messiah took place. And that means that this Jesus goes way back further than even his family tree. Back to the beginning of all things. So Matthew's story goes like this. There was a man called Joseph who had some seriously dodgy ancestors... He's engaged to be married to a woman called Mary and Mary is with child and it's not his. Just as it was at the start of all things, at the beginning, out of nothing, God creates. Through the Holy Spirit, life is created. But God's creation causes a crisis, especially for Joseph. He doesn't know what's going on. And obviously thinks the worst of his fiancée, Mary. If other people find out she's pregnant, she'll be stoned to death. So Joseph plans to send her off without any fuss. And if you think that's a bit harsh, just remember it's not so long ago that young women who became pregnant here were shipped off to asylums. Throughout history, that's what we've done to young women who weren't married who got pregnant. They were sent away. Matthew tells us hardly anything about Joseph. But he does point out that he was a righteous man. And because Joseph's a righteous man, he was going to do the right thing and send Mary away. But he was going to do it quietly. But isn't it inconvenient when God shows up? Because before Joseph can do the right thing, An angel appears to him in a dream and tells him what's happening. And when Joseph wakes up, he does something unusual, particularly for a man. He changes his mind. He admits that he was wrong. He does something different, something unexpected. In many ways, that's the miraculous part of this version of the story that Joseph changes his mind. He doesn't wake up and stretch and yawn and wonder what on earth that weird dream was about. He seems sure that somehow he had encountered an angel. And the angel was a messenger from God and it told him about the parentage of Mary's baby. That the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit and Joseph does something different. He accepts the news, he believes that it's God. And based on his acceptance and his belief, he acts, he does something He doesn't send Mary away, instead he marries her and he names the child Jesus, which means he will save us from all our sins, just as he was told to do. Joseph has taken the boy, God's son, as his son. But all of Joseph's hopes and dreams, all his expectations and his plans in that very moment are gone. Vanished in a moment of discovery. Confirmed by a moment of revelation. His future has been replaced by a whole new set of uncertainties and unknowns. Hail Joseph. Stepfather of God. But what does that even look like? How on earth are you supposed to be the father to that child? To God's child? Because without Joseph, the whole thing fails. Without his change of heart, without his willingness to do what God asks, even when it's assumed that God is asking something unusual or even impossible, without that, none of it works. Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus lacks fuss. Almost none of what we saw today is in his story. And in some ways, that makes it even more remarkable. There's no census. There's no journey to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph already live there in a house. There's no stable. There's no donkey. There's no innkeeper. There's no shepherd. There's no choirs of angels. And I wonder if for Matthew, all of that stuff was just a distraction, not what mattered. A birth, every birth is a miracle. But they're so common that we stop seeing them as that. We forget how miraculous the birth of a child is, how miraculous the creation of life is. And for Matthew, that seems to be exactly the point. How else would the God who created all of life show up? What other way could the Genesis of Jesus take place? There could be no more appropriate way than for God to be born. In the pain and anguish of the labor of a young woman, watched over by a man who'd been completely cut out of the process, and yet who still promised to do his part, to raise the boy who would save the world. A boy who would be one day nailed to a cross, with a sign that mocked him above his head, declaring him to be the king of the Jews. Even though the beginning of Matthew's gospel tells us that's exactly he could be there could be no other way no other way for the promise to be kept, no other way for the dream to be realised, no other way than for the words to become flesh Joseph had to play his part Hail Joseph passed over among men Generations will rise and say, who? But listen, I have a history, a family, a name. All I wanted is what most men wanted, to take my place and play my part. It's not such a hard thing to ask, I don't think. Just what any man might want, that my child would recite my name and their genealogy. That when they told their story, they would tell my part when they gave thanks it would also be for me I didn't really know Mary that well she was younger and I was a bit older and the things you know in those days we didn't mix very much and when they told me I didn't scream or shout didn't want to cut up the dust in a big cloud of shame but it just wasn't what I felt I just felt sad weary how a man feels when something good has been lost Sadness too deep for tears A wound too deep for words Just wanted to hide It was at night that the angel spoke to me All fire and feathers like an angel should be Beautiful and wild and strong She said, Joseph This child is God's child So don't be afraid This is a Holy Ghost child. Don't be ashamed. So when you sing the names. My name should be there. Or should it? The power of the promise didn't flow from me. I'm the man that God set aside. The man God didn't need to light his light. The man God didn't use to fire the fuse. I didn't even get to choose his name. I lost all of this lost my place in time and instead instead this unsought gift which didn't come through my doing but through my hands my heart and my head this comes instead the power to care for and raise this boy raise him up to be a different kind of man to be a different kind of man myself. So hail Joseph, blessed among men. The man who said yes when God wanted something different, something inconvenient. The man who said yes when asked to be the father of a holy child. The man who shows us all what it looks like to accept and to believe and to live out God's promise in all its inconvenience thanks for listening if you have any comments questions or thoughts about this week's sermon then please do get in touch we create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message you can also find us on facebook twitter and instagram we post the audio of the whole service each week on our website there are details of all of this in the show notes If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.